0: Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am Danielle, your host here, and if you are new here or you ha- this is your first time listening or if you are a regular listener and you're listening to this, um I would go back to the episode aired just before this to understand where we're going. Um I have felt called to go to a vulnerable place especially this month because of miscarriage and um infertility and uh, infant loss remembrance month. So We're getting deep here, and this is episode two. Mommy, who are you missing? Weaving my story into the days ordained. God gives us stories. He shows us through stories that just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, that we all fall short. But he quickly comes to redeem us. God speaks through Jesus as the son of man on earth through parables or simple stories used to teach. God also uses our lives as a story for him that point to him. It is in these stories that we learn lessons and further his kingdom. So with that said, the story God has given me to share with you today is a story of hope in this unique time of my life. He's placed it upon my heart that the only way healing can occur is through him And through transparency in sharing my experience. You've heard in the first episode of the silent ultrasound that I already had one miscarriage. You heard the horror and the unfortunate events that I had to endure at that time. But what I didn't know at that time was that just six years and two more pregnancies later, it would happen again. When it came time to thinking about having a third baby, I honestly thought I was safe. Thought my loss of 60 pounds at the time meant I was healthier. Having two successful pregnancies before, I just assumed that my body just knew what to do with that new embryo growing in my womb. But you know what they say when you assume. Friend, listening, I ask that you grab yourself your favorite hot beverage of choice and sit with me as I share my story of my fourth pregnancy, my second miscarriage. I had just finished running a four mile race, a race I never thought I'd have been able to complete. And I did it. I was proud of myself because I'd come a really long way. I was down 60 pounds from a year ago. My time, my time was great for my first four mile road race, like my finish time. How could I forget starting my period on the way home from that? Like after that high, then all of a sudden my period starts, right? That was day one of my cycle. The day that I knew I needed to start counting and paying attention to my ovulation. The day that reminded me yet again that it isn't just out of passion that I would get pregnant. Ovulation weekend. I knew when I was ovulating, even without the ovulation prediction kit, because I can feel my ovaries release eggs. Sometimes the pain is so debilitating that I keel over in pain, or I used to, actually. It usually lasts about 15 to 20 minutes. And I could even tell you which side it comes from. But something in my gut told me I ovulated a little late in my cycle. Instead of worrying about it much, I just pushed it aside and the waiting began. A few weeks later, my husband and I were standing outside of Assembly Hall. For those of you not so attuned to collegiate sports, that's where the Indiana University men's basketball hosts their home games. And it's really near and dear to my heart. We were standing there waiting in line for the Hoosier hysteria my first ever, and I was so excited to share this experience with my children and my husband. And this was even more special to me because my former seventh and eighth grade student played for the team, and I was so excited to see him and wish him the best of luck, and he's come such a long way, and I'm still so dang proud of him. You see his class? His class was one of the first that provided me support during my first miscarriage. Like They, they were there. Those students, and he included, made their way into my heart as my own children. They taught me to love unconditionally, even through the challenges. So that day we were standing outside assembly hall. And I noticed that my breasts were really tender, the kind of tender that when the wind blows wrong, it made pain shoot all throughout my chest. And I was also really tired. And what's more, I was also very irritated, like really irritated. I don't think anything, uh, like, I don't think anything my husband would have said or done that day would have ever been right or even okay with me. I was so frustrated. I didn't end up contacting the boy's mom sooner because she was gracious enough to offer up a family pass that we could go in and like sit down with the families of the players and my children could have mingled with the team and so forth before the event. And I didn't even think about it prior, but she was so gracious to even try, right? But of course, we were too late to get on that family list, so we had to wait in this massive line for hours. That event, or that afternoon, I nearly blew a gasket on my husband. At that point, I had a sneaking suspicion I was pregnant. Trying to harbor my irritation, I prayed, Lord, could I really be pregnant? The prosa- The prospect of another baby warmed my heart, but I was scared. The thoughts of miscarriage flooded my mind. Thoughts of my recent diet and caffeine intake started to stream in front of my eyes. Then realizing that last run I had was not appropriate for a growing embryo in my womb as I'd pushed myself beyond my normal limits. I told my husband all I was feeling and thinking and that I was supposed to start my period that weekend anyway. And he reminded me that I have one difficult day each month. His kind way of saying that in his kind way of saying that his reasonable Logical, normal wife turns into Medusa without the snakes, of course, because snakes are the only thing on this earth that would cause me to die standing. So we continue on to what proved to be a really fun evening. I was able to see my former student and his brother, who was another student of mine during that time. It ended up being an evening of love, hope, fun, and family. Sunday morning. I still hadn't started my period, and I was curious about the nausea that was and the unsettling irritability I was exhausted. And to be honest, my irritability was beginning to annoy me. Like how's that for irritability? I was irritated at my own irritability. Yeah. So I took a test. I had a very faint line. It was one of those old blue dye tests from like years ago that I had in the, in the closet. Why does that matter? Number one, I took the test in the afternoon and it didn't have concentrated levels of hormone in my urine. And number two, old tests are not usually reliable. Number three, blue dye tests are even are known to um, provide false positives and false negatives. So that night as I showered, the weeping began. Weeping out of frustration. So I prayed. I'm silent a lot in my prayers because I want to hear God speak. I want to be open to hear his nudges. But this time, God asked me in a whisper that Sunday evening, are you desperate? Oh, my gosh. It was as if I'd had the wind knocked out of me and that I was knocked on my rear, smacked by a big red truck. Did I just expect him to provide me a kid because I say so? Did I forget who he is, that he is the creator? Yes, Lord, I am not the creator. You are. Please, God, change me. Oh, God, I am desperate for you, not just this baby. I tested again Tuesday morning with a proper and valid test. Sure enough, there were two pink lines. Positive. After I called my husband, I called my family doctor, and he ordered more blood work immediately. And I called my OB the next day, and they ordered more blood work. It all happened so fast that my family doctor's nurse called to congratulate me, telling me the blood test was positive. All the while, I was on the interstate headed to the blood lab to have a second um, set of blood work drawn for for my OBGYN. By Thursday that week, I had an ultimate confirmation via blood work that I was indeed pregnant for the fourth time with our third baby. My OB office scheduled me to have my ultrasounds continue to continually check the progress. We were on this journey again, but I had my doubts. I started to fear having three kids in a small house. We had a, a house that was three bedrooms and one bathroom. I started to fear NICU stays. I started to feel my body's ability to carry a baby again. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I went into or in for my OB appointment. I saw the physician assistant and she was so sweet with me. You see, I had an ultrasound before seeing her, and the baby measured only five weeks, and it was actually six weeks, two days. So because the baby measured a week behind, there was no heartbeat, and the physician assistant gave me orders or no heartbeat that was registered on the ultrasound machines. And so the physician assistant gave me orders for a ton of blood work, discussed my health concerns and the concerns of of the unmistakable fears I had of miscarriage. The blood work came back and my HCG level is exactly where it should have been for as far long as I was in my pregnancy. Relief. The next... The next week's ultrasound showed my baby had a heartbeat and grew another week's worth in size. Praise you, Jesus. An appointment was scheduled for the following week for fetal heart tones, except the following week was the week of Thanksgiving and my normal ultrasound tech was booked. So I ended up having to schedule for another office and an office that I'm not comfortable with only because I don't know the people there as familiarly (laughs) more specifically. They don't know my story. And I don't know theirs. We don't have a relationship. At that appointment, I took both of my kids with me. I'm so grateful they were there with me that day because I needed them with me. A young girl with shoulder length, somewhat curly hair came to get me. Honestly, I was a bit off put by her unfamiliarity. I didn't know her and she didn't know my situation. She was the ultrasound technician She led my children and me down the short hall to her room, and I sat my children in the chairs and let them play with an iPad and my phone, kept them distracted. The technician tried to find the baby's heartbeat through my belly, but the baby was too small to see. She left the room while I prepared for a transvaginal ultrasound. I sat legs shaking with nerves until she came in. I placed my feet in the stirrups. As soon as my baby's image appears, I see the beauty of life. I see every single detail of my baby. This baby looked just like the what to expect picture show online. It's precious. While I was admiring the beauty of life, I noticed her struggling to grab the baby's heartbeat. After holding my breath, the technician finally found and measured it. I saw the number 54 come up on the bottom right side of the ultras- ultrasound screen. She printed out some images, but not for me. She tells me to get dressed and rushes out the door. My heart sinks. Shock. Horror. Is this really happening again? Again? This appointment was just to get fetal heart tones, but she came back in and tells me she's taking me to a room to see a doctor. And and in that office, my doctor wasn't there because he doesn't work on Tuesdays and he's not at that office. And so I had to see one of his associates. My oldest son is so intuitive. He's always been the one who knows what to say and how to say it to me. He's even called me on my <laughs> many a times on my attitude, especially when it's wrong at the time he was four. He asked me when we got into the exam room and we were waiting on a doctor. Mommy, who are you missing? He placed his head on my bow- belly and wrapped his arms around me and I just rubbed his back. I didn't respond. He had no clue what was going on. But he knew his mommy, who wasn't crying, who showed no emotion, was missing someone. Life is precious. The doctor was amazing, of course. Not just the doctor that... Or she was just not the doctor that has seen me struggle from the get-go and supported me from the get-go. She wasn't the one I have the utmost confidence in. But she walks in and immediately apologizes, saying... I'm sorry we have to meet like this. She talked about a lot or a lot about what to expect. She gave me her time, time she took away from other patients that day, just so I could fully grasp what lie ahead of me. I'm grateful for her heart and her compassion. I had to come to the reality of what lie ahead. I'm reminded of the story in the book of Ruth. Naomi was, ma- was a married woman and had two boys. And after moving away from famine and hardship to a town called Moab, her husband passed away. Moab is a town full of pagans. She has to raise her kids alone in a new country. Eventually, her boys marry. But 10 years later, the boys die. So now she's a widowed woman with no children. She becomes so bitter, she even changes her name from Naomi to Mara, which means Bitter. How would you feel when you've lost your husband and your children, your family is gone, you have no one to turn to and no clue what to do with the rest of your life now? You're too old to marry again and have more children, so now what? Honestly, I don't blame her for changing her name to Bitter. Even so, Naomi tried to send her daughters-in-law back to their respective parents. One girl named Ruth refused to go back to her, to her own like, bio family. Ruth chose to stay with her mother-in-law and take care of her. And this is a big deal because she chose her mother-in-law over her own family. Ruth chose to renounce everything she knew and went back to her mother-in-law. How does this relate to miscarriages, you may ask? Let's take a, let's take a look at, at Ruth. Ruth. We see Ruth as an example of how God can change a life and take it in a direction he has foreordained. For and we see God working out his perfect plan in Ruth's life, just as he does with all his children. Although he came, or although she came from a pagan background in Moab, once she met the God of Israel, Ruth became a living testimony to him by faith. Our lives may not look like Ruth and Naomi's. Ruth's husband died Naomi's hus- son and husband died, leaving, or sons and husband died, leaving them alone, leaving both of them alone. I'm sure they both felt an emptiness. I also know the emptiness of loss of a child. But did you see what Ruth shows us? Our lives have been foreordained, already laid out. God knows all the days of our lives. He knew you were going to have a miscarriage. He knows if you'll have another, but God will take the situation that we're experiencing with these miscarriages, these stillbirths, these infant losses, this infertility, the situation we're experiencing and use it for his perfect plan. You know, Naomi was pushing people away from her. She was so bitter, so angry and rightfully so, I guess. I mean, don't we think about how it would be if our children died before us? And I am so sorry for those of you that have listened and you've raised children and they passed before you. It is an aching in the bones. A piece is missing. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say that miscarriage falls into the same category. We don't expect our children, whether living outside of the womb or inside, to die before us. We are very much like Naomi and Ruth. The book of Ruth shows us that our lives will be changed. We will be confronted with circumstances like miscarriage so that we can see God's perfect plan working in us. me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash CIMC.